Welcome to Gaming for Geezers, PC games that do not suck. This is uh, episode three. We are reviewing Battlefield Bad Company 2. My name is Mr. Krusty. And I'm Nelson. So uh, welcome. We are excited about uh, reviewing this game today um, uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, but before that, let's let's hear what's, uh, what's new and what are you up to these days, Mr. Nelson? Besides work and uh, kids, uh, you know, it's the summer here where I live. In the Northern Hemisphere. That's about all the info I'm going to give you. Um, in the video game world, I just downloaded Champions Online yesterday. Played it for about five minutes. Played the tutorial. Still trying to get used to the controls and the camera view control. Looks looks intriguing. Um, and I'm also taking a hard look at the new Medal of Honor beta that Steam has on their online client. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. Um, you know, I saw a review, a quick uh, uh, discussion with the uh, the publishers actually on uh, G4, and um, you know, I th- I think this is going to be a contender for us to review, but also a contender in terms of you know what 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 publishers are doing and what they're thinking these days um, with uh, some of the advances um, uh, in the environments and uh, gameplay. So I'm excited to take a look at that too. Yeah, I think I think I think our listeners can expect that uh, here in a week or two. Yeah, and and what's what's great about this is um, you know we get to play these really great games and hopefully uh, cull the herd for you. I mean, I think that's what we're here for. We're here to um, kind of make things a little bit simpler and um, but also kind of uh, we have a lens that we look at these these games through, and we're we're excited to bring that to you uh, today uh, with Battlefield Bad Company Two. Um, this game does not suck. In fact, uh, we advise uh, to buy this game right now. Um, it uh, it does a really good job of pushing the game technology forward. Um, and in, in the world of franchises, um, this is a case where uh, it continues and advances the franchise, which has been unusual in uh, in the gaming world. Um, you know, we, we've had some disappointments in the last uh, couple of years of uh, franchises kind of falling apart, and, and this is one where I think the franchise is getting uh, stronger. Um, what do you think about that? I, I totally agree with you. The, if you look at the whole Battlefield franchise, starting with Battlefield 1942 to today's iteration, The Bad Company 2, they've constantly moved the ball forward. Um, I think after 1942, there was an expansion pack, but then I... I think the next one they released, I can't remember if it was Vietnam or if it was Battlefield 2, but they were both improvements. Um, Battlefield 2 had uh, unlocks, Battlefield Vietnam had a totally different environment and really good uh, uh, air vehicle play and a fantastic soundtrack. Uh, and then, of course, uh, they reached the azimuth of all gameplay ever when they released Battlefield 2142. Right. And and even though uh, you and I are not as in love with this game as we are with Battlefield 2142, which is the benchmark against we measure all games, uh, they still move the ball forward here. Yeah, and, and I have to agree. I, I, I think in terms of how a franchise moves things forward, they've done a really good thing um, with this series. And, and it, for this one, uh, and something I'm going to actually uh, comment on quite a bit, um, a real game changer for me is the immersive quality of the actual physical environment. It's 
it's destructible and it's persistent. What I mean by that is that you know when a bomb falls on a building, it makes a hole. <laughs> yeah. When lots of bombs fall on the building, the building falls down. And and then when you die and you go back to the same spot, it's still broken down. And while while this has been showing up in games now for a while, it's been taken to a completely different level. Um, and we'll talk about some of that uh, later. But that it, for me, it, it's just brilliant. This game records the actual activity of the participants. And uh, for me, this is uh, really getting to to a level of of uh, immersion, you know, of of uh, believability that um, is beyond what I expected uh, out of uh, out of a game. Uh, it's very cinematic in that way for me. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the environments as well. And you know, I, I, I've never been a computer programmer, so I have no idea uh, how they do these things. But I, I have been a gamer for a long time, and I was very impressed uh, that they could write software that would destroy an environment and keep it destroyed. Um, and let's talk about that in more detail a little later. Yeah. So um, for any new uh, participant or, or, or uh, audience member out there, we actually have a, a game review matrix that we go through. And um, we, we developed this over... Um, <laughs> Beer. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but also over us kind of wringing hands over all the games that we'd bought over the years that simply would not stand the test of time. And and so we thought through and we put some time into this actually in terms of of how to how to really cull the herd. How do, how do we actually talk about different types of games but in a way that um, gets us to say it's a good game or a bad game. And you know, we've actually talked to a lot of our friends and we've talked to some other folks out there um, you know, and uh, most reviewing styles are kind of confusing, you know, lots of stars or numbers. Uh, here, uh, it either sucks or it doesn't. We actually like the game or we don't. And so we're going to go into that uh, little bit of a review matrix for, for our listeners here. And, and so uh, follow along uh, as you may, and, and uh, hopefully we'll hit all, all the points, and hopefully you'll agree. Um, so one of the first, first aspects of, um, of games that we find compelling is that they have multiple types of environments or maps, and they're compelling. And for me, uh, this is where, as I mentioned before, this game actually um, uh, it, it has set a new standard. Um, and, and it's partly because of how it's designed, but partly uh, that they really took the pains to make sure that the destructible environment played well with the game sort of uh, activity. Um, the, the maps are large enough. There's lots of multiple t- team approaches and different tactical strategies you can do it because that you can do because the maps are large enough, um, and uh, they're scaled effectively for vehicles. Um, and what's interesting is that foot travel becomes a becomes an issue in this game. These maps are so big that if you're going to run across, you know, um, the tundra <laughs> right. or a desert. Uh, you need to start using cover and, uh, and, 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 and movement tactics because you're going to get slaughtered. So, you know, it really becomes very, very uh, believable. Uh, what do you think? What, where are you on all this? Yeah, at, at first I was disappointed uh, in, the, in, the, in this latest Battlefield game because um, vehicles were not so prominent in, in the game. Um, there's usually a tank or... Or a, or a Humvee or, a, or an ATV. 
uh, very few uh, air vehicles, and th they weren't critical to the gameplay. But then, as I played it a little longer, I realized that uh, that, that exactly what you had just said about the scaling. Um, the the maps are are big enough to where you can have a vehicle, uh, but they're also small enough so that you can walk to your destination, and it doesn't take you ten minutes. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I appreciated that. Yeah. And I, I also appreciated that I had to think about where I was walking. Um, yeah. You had to get behind some, or there's some nerd sniper up on a hill that's just sitting there waiting to pick you off. Well, and, and you know, I was actually surprised at uh, the level of destruction in this environment. When you bomb, uh, you know, something in a forest, or you throw a grenade and it hits a tree, the tree destructs. Yeah. But it doesn't destruct like, you know, poof, like goes away. It falls. Yeah. And you can actually get damaged. You can get hit by these falling pieces of shrapnel. Um, you know, the what's interesting, you know, what's so glaring for me is that in the um, – because the environments are so good, you notice certain things. Like, for instance, uh, um, in the snow environments, you don't see the footprint path. There's no footprints in the snow. And what's fascinating to me is that everything else is so believable except for that, you know. And so, you know, that's at the, I think at the next level of absolute detail is actually tracking, you know, that kind of uh, granular, that that very small level of shifts in the environment. But, you know, really believable to, for me. Enjoyed basically the dynamics of water and and being able to swim, but also move across water. Um, you, there's a lot of other aspects to this game where the maps are well designed um, and they're compelling mainly because the, the objectives are actually using the terrain and the landscape well and, and you know high, high, high points versus low points uh, defensible structures, defensible tactics those become actually pretty important in yeah. this game and let's talk about the different types of games they have here as long as we're talking about maps yeah, um, yeah totally it appears to me that the majority of the players who are online and uh, using the word online is redundant because when you play multiplayer, you have to be online uh, unless you have a LAN or something with like 10 buddies, but who's got that? But um, everybody's playing Rush, which is a fantastic game concept that is new to me. And I, I discovered that through this game. I don't know if, they invented this, but they certainly did a good job perfecting it. Where you start at one location, and you're if you're on offense, and you have to destroy uh, two uh, control points, and then the map shifts on uh, so that you go to a new map within the same game. And I thought that was very novel. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. They also have like squad rush, where it's only uh, a four, four, four persons to a side, and you play a little micro version of that. And then, of course, they have the traditional control point game where you have a number of lives, and whoever whoever controls more control points loses their lives slowly, and and, and the losing side loses them uh, quicker than actual lives lost. Uh, and then I think they have capture the flag as well. Or yeah, and well, there's also Team Deathmatch, and I mean, you know, they're the standards, but let's actually go back to the Rush, because I find that this is the most compelling, um, this is the most compelling kind of scenario for the objectives. This idea that um, 
you know, and again, this comes back to the the a well-designed game. A well-designed game, you know, has a great environment. That environment is then utilized effectively by the tools that are made available to the players. But then they're also integrated into the objectives. And I think the rush uh, characteristic, or the rush uh, play in this in this game, really um, utilizes all the best parts of the game. Uh, from the use of helicopters and attack vehicles to uh, you know the the defensible structures, the different kinds of uh, weapons you have available, missile launchers and and different ways to take out different kinds of vehicles. I think all those those pieces actually do make uh, a really great landscape to play in, and then to have it actually coalesce into a rush scenario where the whole map literally moves and you have to the objective shift. Um, meaning that what what I like is that all the snipers have to get out of their holes, <laughs> all the tanks have to move position, all the you know uh, uh, all the stealth components you know aren't done just once; they're done multiple times during a rush campaign. Um, there's boats. There's uh, there's a variety of different ways of land- making landings. Um, you can be you know thrown out of the, the helicopter and parachute in. Uh, I mean, there are a variety of different ways of making this rush approach work. I I really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, and I think the term rush actually refers to the fact that uh, if you're on offense, you have to rush the objective. You you can't just sneak waltz right in and achieve your objective. And what what you have to do specifically is you have to destroy a box, and it takes you about five seconds being right at that box, uh, activating it to do that. Well, of course, if if you have two two of these points that you have to destroy, the entire defensive team can just sit there. So you have to rush it, um, and and somebody is going to have to activate it, and somebody else is going to have to watch your back, uh, thus increasing the importance of team teamwork and communication. Right. So let's get into that. Let's get into the actual playing strategies because. Um, you know, I, I think this is something that uh, I think we harp on quite a bit. Yeah. You want, you want to talk about vehicles first? Yeah. Well, let, let's, let's talk about vehicles in the context of this rush okay. approach. Um, you know, uh, what's fascinating about this game is that it actually starts to follow the, the real strateg- uh, strategy that you see on the ground when you hear commanders talking about, you know, actually moving troops on the ground. Uh, the armored... Uh, uh, division or the tanks in this case really do have to lead the squad, and what the most successful teams seem to take one or two tanks and actually push basically forward very quickly, uh, drafting basically all the assault troops and and support troops basically behind it uh, to provide um, you know shelter, but also to provide sort of a rapid movement. And you know, this is when when a game starts to model reality, and when when people like me and uh, Mr. Nelson actually start participating in real life kind of strategies applied in a game, that's exciting to me. That's actually that's actually saying no. A game has actually set up the criteria for for winning correctly, and is starting to model reality in a way that that's really compelling. I, I, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean the. Most of the maps, you can follow a tank in, and the tank can actually blow up a wall, and you can go through the wall. Uh, it's it's very important. 
Well, and that destructive, pervasive environment becomes part of the strategic aspect of the game. You start to destroy buildings completely so that you have, you have there's no capacity for people to actually hide behind cover. And therefore, when you actually have a position that has been you know, cleared of cover, um, it's very easy to defend it at that point. So you have, you know, you, again, the developers did a fantastic job of wrapping those things together. Yeah, they did. They they also added the uh, the drone, which I, which is a kind of tip of the hat to the modern world and what's going on today and in the Far East and the Middle East, um, where you can fly an un, unmanned aerial drone and launch Hellfire missiles at people and and assassinate individual targets or or vehicles or or you know buildings and. It's 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 very realistic in the fact that one of your character classes can mark a a target, and your Hellfire missile will track that target much in the same way as individual soldiers in today's actual combat theaters uh, can laser guide in missiles and and, and other items. Right, and, and and again that that matching of reality is really really good. Now in terms of roles. Uh, how do you see anything? Do you see anything different in in how the roles were actually placed in this uh, in this game? For the most part, no. With one with one very big exception, in that the the Battlefield franchise and the developers have uh, kind of mitigated the power of the sniper, in my opinion. Um, in in the other Battlefield franchises, if you can line up a headshot, you're probably going to kill your target. But in this case, uh, it takes a few shots. Uh, for the most part, to, to kill an individual. So they have they've mitigated the power of the sniper in this case. But other than that, the balance is is pretty much there. Um, I found that you know you could level up very quickly as a medic by by just simply being selfless and staying back and healing everybody. Um, you know the engineer was important as in other battlefield franchises because you could keep vehicles operating. And the assault soldier uh, played the same role. Uh, a lot of power, but not very useful um, when somebody gets hurt or something's about to break. Yeah. So in, in terms of uh, communication, uh, what's different here? Well, in, in this situation and this game, uh, communication is not as important. Uh, the opportunity is there, but uh, for, for example, you don't, you don't have an overall commander of your team as you did in Battlefield 2142. Mm-hmm. You do have a squad leader, and you can talk to your squad members. But even then, I, in my experience, and I played this game for about a month, pretty solid. It was, it was the game I played. And I, I, only, I only played like two or three games, literally, out of uh, about the 100 games I played, where people were actually using the microphones to talk. And I think that was for two reasons. One, the maps are, are smaller, so you know the overall tactics and strategy are not so important because you can just you, you get more information by looking around than you do by listening uh, to your teammates, and, and you don't you don't need somebody to spot a vehicle because the maps are moderately sized and you can see them coming. Uh, the other the other reason I think is because this is more of a mass audience uh, game that doesn't cater exclusively to the PC gamer. Who is used to communicating over the microphone with teammates online? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think this is actually um, this is one of the places where I think 
Battlefield uh, 2142 really does excel. And and I actually miss the commander. I miss that larger command structure. Um, you know, I, I think objectives aren't as clear when you're playing the game. Um, and while the squad, uh, uh, you know, communication is actually fairly good, um, actually coordinating the multiple squads and getting things organized uh, aren't necessarily good. And I think and I think that's why the, the rush works really well, because the game actually manages that sort of larger objective for you. And, and so you kind of have, you know, the general barking orders at you um, and uh, saying, hey, you know, new objective is uh, showing up. And, and so the audio quality of the, of the game is actually important because you have to listen for what those uh, the, the in-game sort of communications are actually telling you. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you do have a few mouse commands that you use, you know, without thinking very much. Uh, but but other than that, not so much on the mic communication. Yeah. So so let's talk a little bit about um, you know upgrades. Um, what, what do you think? How how do, how do they uh, how do, how does this rate versus uh, some other games we played? It's it's pretty pretty good. Um, you have to make choices. You have to earn them. And when you do earn them, they are they are they are somewhat meaningful. They're not. It, it, it is clear. It is there's clearly a distinction between somebody who just started playing the game and what weapons they have access to, versus somebody who's been playing for a while because they've they've leveled up enough where they have a, a gun that is far more powerful than uh, the entry level gun. Um, the the one irritating thing about the leveling up was that you didn't get to start out with a med kit as a medic, uh, which was baffling. Because then, why are you a medic if you don't have a med kit? Right. Uh, you don't get uh, equipment repair tools as an engineer if you're an engineer. Right. Um, and and th- there were some extraneous things. Um, There's lots of awards out there that aren't terribly meaningful, and you don't actually earn anything from them. I don't believe. Well, and, and I found a lot of the upgrades to be lateral upgrades, not necessarily, you know, incremental. Yes. And and so so the what what's interesting to me is, you know, when you're kind of in the middle of the game, when you kind of have played a lot, you, you actually have the full, you know, panoply. You have the full choice of all the 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 guns out there. But when you're in the middle of the of uh, sort of the uh, the upgrade tree, um, your choices are somewhat kind of like the same you're basically saying okay well i like the look of this gun better because you know what they do for me is virtually identical um that was a little bit weird for me because i think that was a lost opportunity to to have uh, different kinds of approaches and and different kinds of gameplay um you know i think they could have attenuated some of the ranges of some of the game uh, some of the uh uh the weapons a little bit better so that maybe it's a little less powerful but they have a better range you know I, that kind of thing kind of fell flat for me a little bit um, yeah yeah I, I agree with you the the difference between one level and the next was not terribly meaningful so um well and and, and you know for me uh, you know i'm kind of uh, kind of slow sometimes i you know i i like having objectives i like having hey i'm gonna play this game until i level up or i'm gonna you know, and these level ups didn't even factor in. For me, it was okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna play three instances of this game rather than oh, I'm gonna play until I level this this guy up or do something else. So, you know, for me, that was a little bit 
a of a deficit for me. And I think that's also why Battlefield uh, 2142 still is is our benchmark, even though this game is so good, and this game actually has some very good qualities to it. One one last thing before we move on to another topic uh, out out of multiplayer. Um, You may not have noticed this, Mr. Christie, because you're not running XP, uh, but the the ping indicators when you go to select a game uh, mostly do not work for people running XP. Interesting. And there's no patch for this, and they didn't patch it. Um, and, you know, I can complain about that because it's a real problem because you had to just kind of guess which game to join. And you could only, you couldn't, you couldn't filter out, let's say, non-U.S. games if you're in the United States. Because, you know, you don't want to play a game that's being hosted in Germany because you're, you know, it's, just, it's going to be too laggy. Uh, right. you, can, you can filter that out. So you had to guess. Um, now, I, I don't blame them for not fixing this because XP is an old operating system. Um, but it, the game still works perfectly otherwise on XP. They just they can't fix that ping problem. They claim to have fixed it in one of the patches, but they didn't. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was and well, it was totally random. It would it would work sometimes and not work at other times, and there was nothing I could do on my end to fix that. And right. if if people have that same problem, they're looking for a fix. There is none, and and there probably will never be. Right. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about the GUI, the the actual interface too. I found that the um, how the the layout of the server and how to identify servers was actually a little bit confusing, but also if you've never played the game before, <laughs> you're gonna double, have a couple double takes. You're like, well, what, what, where do I press the button to actually identify, you know, find the servers? And um, you know, I, I, I downloaded this from Steam, and I, uh, I, uh, you know, installed it directly. And I think that Steam needs to do something about this, and that is have a much better or clearer way to introduce their games and have the the PDF, you know, readily available. Um, maybe it is, maybe I missed it, but for some reason, you know, there's, there's some things about the new technology out there that hasn't really transferred very well. And that is, is what are the manuals and what are the tutorials and how, you know, how do you actually get all your information about a game when you purchase it on a download? Um, we'll, we'll talk more about that in some other podcasts, but you know, in this case, um, they did a fairly good job, but you know, I did find myself kind of scratching my head a couple of times. Well, how do I use this interface? And how does this interface actually move forward? Now, it might be a case that I'm just a geezer and I'm kind of losing it, but <laughs> I don't think so. You know, I I, I, th- I think uh, I think there were some things missing there. Yeah, there were some design flaws on this, and I I don't, I don't think you can I don't think your frustration is entirely tri- attributable to not having the manual because I had the manual, so I had a store-bought copy, uh, and I thought I would be able to just be able to jump in and use this because of my experience with other Battlefield games, and I, I just assumed that the, the interface would be the same. I, th- yeah. I think we can attribute that to the fact that I'm pretty certain this was this was written for the Xbox or the PlayStation or some other um, console that, and then ported over the PC because it came out for the PC well after the other games. Well, and that might be the case, but you know, I think th- this is an easy fix, and and you know, hopefully, our podcast and our reviews will actually get to the reviewers because I I think we're coming from a position of of being able to see things uh, a little bit differently, and 
And, you know, this is actually something that uh, needs to be fixed, I think, across the board um, uh, for many of these download games is, is you know, th- there's not a really good way to get all the information you need. Yeah, so. I, yeah I'm absolutely certain that uh, all 10,000 of our listeners – oh, wait, wait, wait. I think I wrote that down. No, all five of our listeners uh, <laughs> are all game developers, and, and they will cater to our unique niche market. Old, absolutely. Old PC well, gamers. Well, yeah, absolutely. Why not? So um, let's actually talk a little bit about the the single player versus the the multiplayer a bit. Um, you know, we did a review of uh, Modern Warfare 2, and 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 frankly, uh, I think the game sucks. But the 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 single player was actually compelling, and so the game didn't suck per se. The actual multiplayer impl- implementation sucked. In this case, I really don't like the single player. I and, and I. I know for a fact I didn't buy this game to play the single player. I bought this game to, uh, and I used the single player to learn the controls and get to a point where I actually um, was competent enough to leap in with human beings. Um, The interesting part is that I played the single player for Modern Warfare 2 completely. Yeah. And I almost never do that. And that is because I think the production values for it, I think the narrative structure for it, I think the um, the actual integration of of how you jumped into different uh, different instances within the the single player actually worked really well. And the AI was brilliant. I mean, was really really good. In this case, uh, I didn't like it very much. Uh, what's your what's your take? I played it all the way through. I mean, I found it in, enjoyable. I would have been uh, devastated if if the online experience was the same. Um, this is just a cliche, you know, linear uh, go from point A to B, shoot everything that you see along the way, and then you win type of game. I, I was very surprised at that because this is the first time that uh, the, this franchise has done that. But I think. I think they probably had some pressure on them to do it uh, from a marketing point of view. The other thing um, that I think our listeners will find about this game is that, you know, the it, it wasn't that hard, the single player. Uh, and you didn't have to think much. There was absolutely no, uh, you know, ammo capacity and picking the right weapon was not important either. You either had a sniper rifle, an assault rifle, or a grenade launcher. And... There's really no difference between any of them in the single-player mode. It, yeah. Not the case in the multiplayer, but in the single-player game, uh, it, it wasn't important. You also had, you know, the typical cliche, you know, you're a troubled troubled youth, you join the army, you're white, you're about six feet tall, you have the uh, paternal black father figure as your sergeant, never the officer, the Texas hick and the nerd, uh, they did throw a little glitch into the the cliche uh, formula this time. They had the hippie helicopter pilot, which um, I found amusing. Yeah, and it's kind of funny how it stuck it stood out like a thor- sore thumb. Like like it was like, what the hell's this? Yeah. <laughs> you know. So this is this is the interesting part. Is you know I think the this community, uh, the, the gaming community, has responded with these archetypes. You know that we expect in these games, and when they don't match up. I'm curious whether a game can be successful or not. You know, uh, I think it can be. Like, you know, Tomb Raider actually turned out to be a huge hit. You know, having a busty chick, you know, um, jumping around on the screen. Um, I think there are some other narratives that we could probably have. 
Um, now, I don't I, even, play, I don't even remember the plot on this one. It was so meaningless to me. Well, and I think that's the problem. You know, for me, I actually had an emotional response to some of the uh, aspects of the Modern Warfare 2, you know, storyline. I thought it was actually really compelling. And here, the, it didn't even register. I, I thought it was kind of a joke, frankly. But, yeah. but the the interesting part is that, you know, it, it did um, uh, train you fairly well to actually, you know, jump into the multiplayer. But um, there, there's there's one aspect of gameplay which I think is really important. And, and I say compelling a lot because if there's something that I want when I'm playing is I want wanton destruction and I want complete escapism. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I want to go and blow things up. So, you know, in, in case of, uh, of this game, um, not only do you get to, like, blow people up, you get to blow the whole environment up. And it, and it responds. It remembers. And, again, uh, it becomes actually a tactical tool that you can use to, you know, um, to win. And uh, I, I think that that's amazing. And I, I love blowing shit up. Yeah, they, this part of our review criteria was totally met. Uh, we got to shoot people, and we got to blow up buildings. <laughs> yes, exactly. But uh, what's more is that um, the environment and this wanton destruction really makes replayability actually fantastic. Um, because, uh, you know, the environments have to respond differently because they're being bombed differently. And so cover shifts and buildings fall down. Uh, this is this is fantastic. I again, what I think it's the mantra of this game. I think this is going to be around for a very long time. I think I think people are going to be running after this game because um, it really does have aspects of of it that uh, are so beyond uh, I think what's been available before. What do you think? Yeah, I, I do. I think I think this is a totally replayable game. Um, just because, even though the maps are never never going to change very much, unless they uh, allow some you know fan maps to come in or they they do an expansion pack, it doesn't matter because the game is always different. Um, it's it's a, it's an excellent game just for the gameplay itself. You're not dependent on learning a new story every time you play the multiplayer game because there is no story. They just they care about the gameplay. And it's it's capture the flag with guns is basically what it is, and that's fun. Capture the flag is is a game when you're a kid you could play over and over and over. You could even play it as an adult, but we don't because we're old. I'm fat, uh, <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. But this this game is something you just you can play over and over. Yeah, and and you know what lends to it are the upgrades are 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 good in the storyline, but they're not critical. Um, but the challenges, the objectives within the game are either monitored well within the team structure or they're monitored well by the game itself. And they've designed the game well. I, I think it's really, really good. Now, so, does this qualify as a geezer game? It does. It totally does. So, you know, for me, a geezer game has several characteristics. You know, you have what's called an instance, right? You have a defined sort of period of time or a defined... Uh, uh, sandbox that you play in and each of these games is exactly that I can actually sit down and I can actually you know play one or two of these uh, of these instances 
and um, then I can go. And and that's actually a, a really good part of having a, a geezer game is having these instances or or having objectives that are met and and meetable. So uh, obtainable. Um, the other part is that I like the end game here. You know, it's very clear how they've designed uh, the various uh, types of maps and games that um, you, know, you know when you win. Yeah. And this is this is good. So. Yeah. Uh, this is a great geezer game because you can play it for five minutes and then go to your next work appointment because you do have a job. You're a geezer. Uh, you can play it for 20 minutes after the kids go to bed. You don't have to have... Um, you don't have to set an appointment with your five friends to play this. Uh, technically, I'm not sure it's an MMO, which stands for Massively Multiplayer Online Game, um, because it's not Massively Multiplayer. You play with the most of, I think, uh, 32 people at a time. Uh, but you don't have to team up with your buddies to succeed. You can just join a random squad of random people who you run into. Right, but you can. I mean, they have clans, and and you can sign up, and and the community has really taken on that aspect of it. And I and I think that's valid. I, I think that's an actually important part of the game, um, is to be able to have that available but not necessary. And that available but not necessary is something you'll hear a lot in our reviews. So let me just kind of wrap this up and say, um, yeah, Battlefield Bad Company too. It does not suck. And uh, does not suck. I would say uh, let's buy this game as soon as we can. Yes. <laughs> yes. So um, we got some. We got. Some, we finally got some hate mail, Mr. Krusty. Yeah. Let's 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 hear it. Let, let me read you the first one. Uh, this is by from Romerican. Um, not sure what that means, but here you go. These two guys radiate negativity and are elitists, coming from no other authority beyond that they are old. The criterion by which they judge games is extremely narrow, and as they proudly tell us, created while they were drunk. It shows. Lots of heavy breathing by one of the hosts, that's me, It is distracting <laughs> and irritating, and, and the use of profanity comes off as forced, childish, and awkward. I do not recommend this podcast to anyone looking for information or entertainment. But he still gave us two stars. Which is nice. Yeah. He's, he, you know, we, he gave us the benefit of the doubt. It's, you know, folks, we're, we're just starting out here, and we're going to be working on uh, the, the, the technical aspect of it. But I do have to say, we... We're just regular folks trying to do good, um, and and what we're really trying to do is to um, to figure out why the hell we're buying certain games and why we're not. And this is a way for us to kind of bring other folks into that decision-making process. Yeah, and, and you know what, uh, this guy is right on just about everything that he said. Um, absolutely, our criteria is very narrow. Uh, we are PC gamers. Um, we we spent a lot of time on our website, and we devoted an entire podcast, or actually two, explaining why our, we have a very narrow focus, and that is Battlefield 2142 is the best game ever. <laughs> We're pretty sure it's going to cure cancer and bring together North and South Korea and solve the Palestinian crisis. It is that good. It is that good. And our criteria is also binary. And when I say binary, I mean you should either buy a game or not buy a game. Yeah, see, this is the thing. You can't, like, just not buy a game. At, yeah, either you're buying it or you're not. Right. Are you going to buy it or not? I mean, at the end of the day, it can't be gray. And at the end of the day, someone has to say and put their you know, balls on the line and say, I like this game. This game actually works. 
Now, the, the problem I have with most reviewers out there is, frankly, they're being paid to do this. We're, yeah. not, do, we're not paid to do this. We're, no. And, in fact, we're doing this because we're trying to answer a question. And, and in answering that question, hopefully, we help you. But, but the, 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 the large part of this is that you know, we're not beholden to anyone. So, you know, like, I love the franchise, but, you know, for Battlefield. But if something else comes along and, and, and knocks it over and we have to start over, awesome. Yeah. Hey, bring it on. Yeah. And if developers listen to this and they get some, some juju or they think we're completely crazy, I don't really care. The, the main part is, is that hopefully you keep coming back, you keep listening, and you keep, um, you know, uh, we keep challenging you actually to, to find a good game for yourself so that we can actually become a better community of gamers. That's the goal. Yeah, and I just want to hammer this binary method again. Um, when I'm looking for information on a game review, a 7.5 out of 10 doesn't help me. I just want to know whether I should buy it or not, whether the game sucks or not. Um, the, yeah. the, the suck reference is kind of tongue-in-cheek, but so what? Uh, it's our podcast. Go get your own. <laughs> um, now his his comment that we're elitist. Yes, we are. We are totally elitist. If if we told you you know the level of education that we both have and and whatnot, uh, you would say yeah those guys are elitists. Um, and no other authority that we are except for that we are old. Well yeah I've been playing video games since video games came out and you have too Mr. Grassy. So yeah I, and in fact you know I was one of those poor slobs you know writing video games on my little. Apple II, you know, <laughs> when no other games were available. The, 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 the issue here, more than anything, is that, you know, and, and, and we have no authority. Yeah. The, that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we are not professional video game reviewers. We are, no. we are no, both and, professionals in our real lives and don't have much time to do this. And, and, and what's, what's happening within the reviewing community is that you have all these professionals who that's all they do. And I'm sorry, that's, that doesn't, they're not meeting my criteria. And hopefully uh, there are folks out there that feel the same way because um, there are ways for us to actually just say, no, you know what? It doesn't matter you know, if the anti-aliasing on this game is, is the best in the industry. The gameplay sucks. Give me a game I want to play. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what we're trying to answer. Can you give me a game that I want to play and play it over and over? And... Um, you know, that's uh, that's why we're here. Yeah. Well, so, American, hey, thanks for the mouth-breathing comment. I am a mouth-breather, <laughs> generally. Uh, and then it's worse in the summer because I hate fever. And we, we're just starting out, so we haven't figured out our mics yet. I got a new USB mic headset uh, that's so sensitive you can hear my cat fart. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you are a mouth-breather. So oh, my it, God, yes. That's okay. That's yeah, right. we're, we're going to try to fix that. Uh, apparently, it's... It's really bad in, the, in our Battlefield 2142 podcast. And we'll repost pos as, uh, podcasts as we can. Um, so thanks. Now, we have another, uh, we have another uh, hate mail. Um, and, um, it actually wasn't really a hate mail. It was just kind of a comment. Uh, you want to read that one or should I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's do it. So um, uh, this is from Mr. Cranky. <laughs> Greetings, my fellow geezers. Uh, I happen to identify much with the geezer way of uh, slow game button pushing while I'm imagining I'm calculating battle-worn uh, vet that has a strategic edge over the rest, which I tell myself every time some kid with faster fingers uh, headshots me 
again uh, before I can figure out what happened. With that said, please fix your microphones. The other day I was lying in bed trying to fall asleep while listening to your Battlefield 2142 review. I do own a copy, and I share some fond memories of the, uh, about the mul- multiplayer. For some reason, Mr. Krusty's voice was coming into my left headphone while uh, Nelson talked to my right. On top of that, while one guy would talk, the other one would continue to breathe heavily and snort in the my other ear. <laughs> so... What this did was create a very believable audio illusion of two geezers lying in bed with me trying to talk to each other through the tunnel between my ears. <laughs> the sensation was funny and simultaneously creepily un- uncomfortable. Other than that, looking forward to hearing about your bad company review, Mr. Cranky. So, you know that the uh, the audio illusion of being stuck in a ward with two slorotic geezers? Yeah, that was planned. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we 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 actually, you know, we have uh, we have banks of computers actually uh, creating an audio landscape for our our listeners. And um, yeah, we no. ha- we we have a, an entire <laughs> team of IT staff behind us. We are in a um, a closed audio room. We have about eight hundred thousand dollars worth of audio gear here. Um, yeah, it's, and it's so awesome. So, someone's gonna get fired for the mouth breathing. I don't yeah. know. Who. Somebody, but we heard you loud and clear. We'll fix all the, uh, the audio. And yes, we are actually doing the episode right now. <laughs> so hey, uh, everyone, thank you so much uh, for listening. Um, this is uh, Mr. Krusty. Uh, this is Nelson, and you're going to tell everybody how to find us. Ah, uh, you can find us at www.gamersforgamingforgeezers.com. Uh, <laughs> And we're on Twitter and Facebook and uh, iTunes. Yes. And you can send our, your hate mail to gamingforgeezers at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, and Mr. Krusty uh, signing out. And Mr. Nelson, go buy Battlefield 21. Uh, shit. Well, buy that one too. But buy Bad Company too. It does not suck. It does not suck.